Are you fed up with your traditional nine to five and dreaming of financial independence? Well, check out this episode with David Laver, a industry veteran of 20 years who even develops real estate, but still he turns to wholesaling as a proven business model to make six figures quickly without using any of his own money. So we normally talk about wholesaling real estate is the perfect strategy for somebody who wants to quit their job and earn a lot of cash and gain real estate skills. And it is the perfect strategy for that. But this episode, will come from a seasoned 20-year real estate developer who uses wholesaling as well. So these insights can help new investors unlock the potential of wholesaling for themselves, leaving their ordinary job behind and turning their annual salary into their monthly salary. If you've gotten any value from this podcast, please leave us a review. It makes us more excited to make more content to help get you over the edge to financial freedom, and we really appreciate it. The Deal Machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing. So David, you did your first wholesale deal 10 years ago and it was $100,000. Can you tell me how you got started in real estate and how it's evolved since that time? Yeah, absolutely. So I got started in real estate with mortgage lending. Uh, so I spent a lot of time you know, doing financing for actual end users. And I certainly saw the deals as they came across. And most of our deals came from real estate agents. So the realtors would refer us the buyers who needed the loans. Uh, along the path, a realtor had a really good deal and asked if I had a pre-approved buyer for it. And after looking at the deal, I was like, oh my God, I should buy this. Um, that first deal, actually, this is actually not our whole first wholesale deal. We actually did the deal, but we should have wholesaled it. So what the deal was, there was a lady who had spent 10 years caretaking her dad, expecting to be given a million dollar home as kind of the inheritance. And after he passed, in his will, she actually, he actually put the home out to where the proceeds would go into a trust. And he'd have, she'd have to administer a 20K charity donation every year out of that trust. And she got none of the, the proceeds. So she was, she was like pissed and just like, get me out of here. I'll take whatever price you give me. And, uh, and so we were like, well, we'll give you a million. And she's like, yeah, whatever, no problem. We didn't want to like offer it too low. It just felt weird, right? Uh, and then uh, instead of wholesaling, because we had a builder who wanted to buy it, we thought we would like rehab it and flip it. So we like bought the property, did like a 20K rehab, and then ended up selling it to the same builder and had to pay like fees and closing costs and wasted money on interest carry and... Uh, and all that other stuff. And we're like, geez, like when we have good deals, we're not going to do, we probably should just wholesale these instead of trying to buy them. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, you, so did you have the money yourself to actually do that deal or did you raise money to close it? Well, I was a lender. So I kind of like knew my way around lending. So there was a private money lender that would do a, uh, like a blanket loan against your personal house. And then the house you're buying is if there was enough equity in both, they would do it. So the guy who actually brought me the deal, the realtor, his house had enough equity at the time to do it. So I'm like, hey, well, let's do this. I can get a no money down loan, but we both got to sign our houses to it, which we did. But it was really his house, actually, if I come to think of it. And uh, so we signed up like a loan against our houses and then used that to acquire the property with no money down. Gotcha. Because the deal had equity in it, plus your equity from your homes you signed off allowed you to just borrow all the money you needed to take that property down for a million dollars. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's actually, you know, like 
for early wholesalers or flippers, like if there is a good one that someone wants to buy, like maybe you don't have the money, but if someone has the equity that you know, like someone could just sign a note that records in second against their house as a way to like actually buy the deal as opposed to wholesale. And, but per my like thing that I just said, generally speaking, like wholesaling can be a lot cheaper and save a lot of fees. Gotcha. So that was, uh, that was the, the deal that you said you should have wholesaled. So when was the deal that you did wholesale for the first time? Well, so, oh, so by the way, we sold that deal to that first builder for 1.3 million. So you made, made $300,000 like, split with your friend minus the fees. Well, and we, but we messed around with some interest carry. We spent 20 grand fixing it up. So like, you know, we found a way to make what should have been 1.3 more like, or 300 grand more like 250. And then we split the 250. But we didn't distribute the 250. We kept the 250 as like, uh, okay, hey, let's like try and do a few flips. So we did three flips on our own. And then we got this uh, new construction deal that would have taken like a two-year new construction, like a $3 million luxury home. And we were like, hey, like, let's not make the same mistake twice. Let's just find a builder in town and flip it to them. And we made $100,000 on that flip. And, and you actually did a wholesale assignment? That's right. Oh, wow. You didn't even double close. This builder was very business oriented. He didn't get offended that you were making a hundred grand off this deal. We did not do a double close. And, and actually come to think of it, we, we got the hundred grand up front and then we also got 10% of the profit later. Uh, so he, we just said, oh, you have to pay us this cash up front and give us 10% of the profit. And he said, yes. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was just good enough for him to take the terms. Right. Dang, that's it was crazy. a juicy deal. We just didn't have like the resources or capacity to do. Uh, right. Yeah, we just didn't have the resources to do it. And for him, it was like, yeah, I, I guess I'll do it. So how do you find most of these deals? This has changed over time. Like today, we're doing, you know, uh, driving for dollars. We're mostly cold calling sellers direct. I mean, that's the reality of our acquisition process right now. Um, back then, I was in lending, right? So I was going to real estate offices. I knew hundreds of realtors because I was trying to get the loans from them. So like, it was actually a good dynamic to start asking realtors for to do the deals in a place where they could get business. Like, imagine the dynamic previously was like, hey, realtor, will you give me your loans? I need something from you. And then it changed to, hey, by the way, if you have good off market stuff, I'll buy it from you so you can get a commission and I'll relist on the way out. So I was taking 20 meetings a week with realtors that I knew, just having them give me their off-market stuff. At the peak of it, we were doing 70 off-market referrals a month from realtors, and we'd buy maybe one. Wow. Okay. So you had, you had 70, but it took 70 before you found one that was worth doing. Was 70 a month? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, because 30 of them are just realtors grabbing stuff on the MLS because, you know. They don't, they're just trying to get a deal. And then the other 40 are like people who kind of like have sent something okay. And then we were like parsing it down to like, they're really good. So like in the, our average acquisition was like one, two, our average uh, construction budget was like 300 and our average sales price was like one nine in that bulk of single family flips. So like, uh, you know, we were just only doing really hard, high margin deals. Yeah. What's interesting about you is that you started off with lending. You, you seem to learn a lot about the industry there and then realize you, like you don't do lending anymore, right? You, you realize that like the wholesaling is more lucrative or it's somehow more attractive for you to do. 
than lending? I still own the lending company. Uh, it's, it's a mature business. Uh, it's actually an ebb and flow thing. Like, so today I'm probably 70% of my time on the investing side and 30% in the lending. But uh, in 2021, when rates were 3%, I mean, my lending company was distributing like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So like right now rates are 7%, the lending company's quiet. And right now I think single family housing's in a really good spot and lots are pretty easy to pick up. So for us, actually, we're pretty focused on the acquisition side. Okay, okay. So how did you end up getting into lending? Was that a career path that, that you could choose like with, with a W-2 job or how did you do that? No, no. It's like being a realtor. You get okay. a sales license, you go sell, you get a commission every time you sell. You generally don't get a salary. Okay. So you're dis but, distributing uh, other, other funds, like other people's pool of money. Is that right? That's exactly right. So, okay, over 10 years, right, you kind of figured out these flips, a lot of them take a long time. Some deals are just worth wholesaling, so you don't have to wait so long to make the profit. Um, and you're doing 70% on the, you know, acquisitions uh, side, whether that's wholesaling uh, or flipping. Is there any other aspect of your business that you could tell us about? Yeah, I'd say the most interesting thing we're doing right now is uh, modular constructions for the deals we're actually flipping. Um, I think that's, that's been something that's unique to us. Um, we're realizing like, cause on, on flipping, usually the margins are pretty tight. Like, especially in disclosure states, like most people just open up Zillow and they know what their house is worth. Uh, and even worse, they open up Zillow and are like, oh, hey, Bob across the street sold for this. Like, you know, you're only gonna get so much margin on a flip and it, it can be a little bit tight. But the good news about it is low risk, right? You get in there, you either wholesale it or you buy it and you flip it really fast. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's a good deal. You move it quickly, you make some money, but it's not a ton of margin. Whereas new construction, it's a lot of risk. You're holding it for two years, but in the end, you should have quite a bit more margins to make money with. So what we're doing is factory built modular constructions, which are just like regular homes. And we're buying lots and getting houses down in six months. So we're getting kind of new construction margins with, you know, flip timing. Do you have... That's fascinating. Do you use a driving for dollars to find your vacant lots too? Or is there we, a different process for that? We do. We do the uh, driving dollars for vacant lots. I mean, we've done, we've done it all. We've bought data. We've bought, uh, we've done direct mail. We've uh, done a lot of things. Um, I honestly think driving for dollars is the best. Um, just because it's a numbers game. You just drive around, you put in the, uh, you put in the, uh, the houses and once you have enough in there you're just calling them through and usually the old dilapidated houses are still people who pick up their cell phones or pick up their phones yeah. you know so it's actually yeah the landline right that's the landline's a dream yeah, <laughs> for sure so do you do you drive yourself or do you hire somebody to drive early on i would drive to the seller's houses but at the time i had a full-fledged loan business so i was like just insanely busy. So I just like uh, brought in a partner who would take a lot of the seller meetings, who, who was a realtor by trade. So he liked taking the meetings because he was like, uh, if it didn't turn into a flip, he would just list it. So it was kind of a double-edged thing. Now we, now I have team members who do it. So like we refer out the listings and we take a referral fee from the agents. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so that's nice. You get the referral fee without really doing any of the work. So um, do you, do you ever get like new wholesalers that send you deals or anything like that? Wholesalers at all? Like do you ever buy from them? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, a large chunk of our deals are from wholesalers. 
Um, I think it's got to be the right partner with the wholesaler. Like sometimes when wholesalers get, say, ambitious with their comps and they're trying to sell the number for just like a crazy number and you're just like, you got to understand how the end person's going to make money so that you know how to price it so that it makes sense for everybody. Um, and well, like if, if the price you're buying from the wholesaler at and the rehab budget, there's no way to make money. Why would you buy that house? Yeah, I was, I think it's prudent for any wholesaler to, even if you don't have the funds today or don't have the resources to raise capital or the credit to get a loan, whatever. Uh, I think it's prudent to pretend as if you're buying it for yourself to sell and think if your own money was on the line, what are the comps? Because comps will look very different if you're trying to wholesale it, you'll think the comps are really high. But if you're trying to buy it for yourself with your own money in the line and your own risk, the comps will look a lot lower. And so like, I think a, a wholesaler smartly needs to like really think about like, what is this thing comps actually if I was putting my own money on the line or if I was putting my mom or dad's money on the line, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, let's really like think about that. Yeah. And then get a bid from a contractor. When you go out to it, you should have a contractor in town who you could bid with and, and have that relationship for it when you do start buying. Cause you should know about what's it going to cost someone to rehab this thing. So you can like do a deal sheet and like, no, like, Hey, like, my, my guy came out and said it's about 60 and if you're trying to, you know, that's why we think you can make money. Like that wholesaler, I'll buy deals from. The guy who's just sending me crazy comps and crazy numbers at some point, I'm just like, I don't want to look at your deals anymore. Mm -hmm. So Ryan actually does deals in St. Joe, um, Missouri, and they started providing contractor services to their buyers that were actually buying their wholesale deals. And uh, he had to he had to do that because I guess they had a lot of out of state buyers. And so Ryan, like you, you definitely have contractors that go in right for your deals before you market them out. So our business looks so different now than what it did in the very beginning. Now, when we go out and analyze a deal, we're measuring, we're getting square footage, and then we will put a general number based off of the square footage. Like I know, okay, if I got to do this, this, and this, it's going to be thirty five dollars a square foot or forty dollars a square foot. So for wholesale deals, we can walk through it and say, based off square footage and for, for rental grade finishes, you're going to spend 25000 So for us, if the investor says, yeah, that sounds good, can I get a bid? Then we actually go through and create the scope of work and send them the bid based off of our own numbers. And we had to do that because our community is so small, there's not enough contractors here to to keep up with our volume we would go out and wholesale 10 houses a month but then everybody'd stop buying because they have nobody to fix these houses up so that that's kind of how we do it is we'll we'll go out and put a general number out first but our general number is based off of our own pool of rehabs that we've done over the course of the year so it's pretty accurate wise it's pretty accurate Please open up your podcast app right now and leave us a review and let us know what you thought of this episode. It means so much because the reviews help us get in front of more people. And the more people we can get in front of, the more we can help them achieve financial freedom. And we also get more energy to put more content out like this to help you. So by leaving us a review, it will give you more content to come to help you along in your journey. Thank you so much. David, what were you doing before lending? college. I went to one year of college. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, just one, one year. year. Yeah, I came back for summer. I got into lending, made some money, and I'm like, this is fun. Let me take a year off. Wow. And then, like, like how much? How much money did you make in like summer? fifty grand that summer? Oh my gosh! If I was a college student, and made fifty grand in a summer, that would be insane. I know. I think I probably made ten grand in a summer back. Then. I was I was going from Coors Light and Top Ramen to like a keg every night. I mean, it was <laughs> I was in business. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, that, that's really great. Real estate's changed your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. I think that's your punch list: Coors Light and Ramen <laughs> keg every night. Well, Here's how to get. I, you know, listen, I, Ryan. I got to tell you, I've never had a wholesaler actually come with like a bid ready. But man, I would take that person so much more seriously if they came in with comps that were real, an actual bid. And when they met with me, they said, "Hey, I want to like bring you deals that you want to buy. Like, if I get you pretty accurate comps and and deliverable, uh, you know, wholesale stuff, like." What's margins are you looking for? Do you have lending costs? Like if the wholesale were actually to take the time to really understand like my buy box, and I know when they're sending me a deal, it's probably in the buy box. I'm picking up that deal straight away. I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm a likely buyer. Uh, you know, and it's actually the ones that don't do the work, that don't think about it, that are just throwing stuff against the wall that like, honestly, sometimes I'll forget to respond to. You know what I mean? Like it's just... They just don't have time to get just like, look at all this trash. One thing that we even to get even further into, like when we send out deals, we try to make it so automated that all the questions that you could come up with are answered in our, in our presentation. So when we say, okay, here's your bid for construction, here's the deal. Here's how much the house costs. Here's how much the rehab costs. Here's the ARV. And we can even say based off of appraisals in the last 30 days on houses that we have done in this area. Because comps in, in, in areas like St. Joe or population 76, comps are hard. You could find a house within a block that sold for 50000 but that isn't necessarily the truth in the value. Like when we've done, we had a house, we actually had three houses last week that all appraised. And when we projected the appraised value or after repair value, we were so far under what we expected because our comps were so low. The deal still made sense. And then the guy went out and got his burr money and made $55,000 capital gain uh, on the after repair value. We were under by 55K. So like that, comps are so hard, that, but they could be they can be brutal either way. They can be what you think they're going to be too low. And then it comes back and the appraisal values are way higher than what you projected. And that's the best case scenario. Yes, certainly. And and is that guy going to take your call the next time you bring him a wholesale deal? He better. Yeah. <laughs> he better. I, and in fact, he, we sent him two more deals uh, last week and he goes, how do you feel about these comps? I'm like, bro, <laughs> like the last three deals that you did with us were, way over what we projected so i i feel pretty darn confident with it but it was funny when he said well, how do you feel about these comps that you're sending <laughs> like well they're no different than the ones we sent earlier so yeah comps are always going to be like a, a little bit subjective but I, I like your process there ryan david i'm curious how you guys said that you cold call for leads now are you cold calling or do you, do you hire somebody like out of the country or in the country how do you handle that 
I've done both over the years and in both in the lending company and in the flip business. Um, I've actually sort of, I started with VAs back in 10, 12, 15 years ago. I have like two VAs left that do sort of like behind the scenes, marketing, flyers, design, stuff like that. Uh, I don't use any VAs for human contact. Not that I think they can't do it. I just think it's actually stealing an opportunity to train an asset. So like, for example, we have two college students interning. They get $2,500 a deal for a signed contract. In our market, average price is around 500000 So just to frame that for people in different markets. So uh, the wholesale deal on that would be what would average be? You're trying to get between twenty and fifty in this town. Yeah. So, yeah usually the higher uh, priced market, then the higher the wholesale fee as well. Sure. Right. So, like, if these were a hundred and fifty grand market, maybe we're trying to get ten or fifteen, and maybe we pay fifteen hundred or you know whatever to that intern. There'd be some adjustment, right? Uh, so, uh, but like they're here for the summer, and this is their summer job, and they're trying to get some deals under contract, and we're training them how. And one of them's having so much fun. She's got a bunch of leads going. I think we've got four or five offers out for her on like huge margin, like make a couple hundred grand a deal type stuff. And uh, and she's like all fired up. And she's like, well, like I could tell she's even maybe questioning like going back to school. And I'm like, no, 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 like finish school. But like, you know, when you're done, like come work for us. So like, it's, it, I think the calling is like a really great opportunity to give somebody who wants to kind of work Friday through Sunday when people are home, like a college student, uh, an, an opportunity to like learn this game. Everyone wants to learn real estate. And I think these team, these team members develop into like your mega assets who are loyal because you, you groomed them and taught them and brought them up. So I, I just, it's, it's not about the money. I just feel like you're, it, it's like missing a big opportunity to use the VAs. So how do these interns find out about you, by the way? I think that's brilliant, right? Because the people who are you're hiring, they're going to speak perfect English. They're not going to have an accent. I think that would go a long way on the phone. Oh, yeah. Have you ever gotten a cold call about your a property you own? Yeah, it's, it's tough when there's an accent to, to pay attention. Yep. Oh, well, because you're just immediately like, oh, this is some call center. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not taking that. I'm like, click. Like, I just, I mean, they get it done. I'm not saying it can't get done. And, and a lot of these VAs, don't have a bad accent so you know fine but uh uh we post on the job board so in austin we have university of uh texas ut longhorns uh it's a pretty good job board there's also there's actually two other universities in town as well um and also you know at, at this point a couple of them have come by referral people know like we just put it out there we'll hire people who want to learn real estate and teach them and so it, it's like like my doctor referred her son recently who's going to ut so Wow, cool. So yeah, it's a little weird from going from physical to, hey, can my son work for you? But, you know, <laughs> we got there. There's a lot of trust already built up. We'll just say that. Now, I'm curious, you've been at this for 10 years on the acquisition side, and you've been a lender for 10 years as well. So is there a point that you're looking to get to like wealth-wise or goal-wise? Or is the business just something that you really enjoy and that you can like look, look forward to continuing to work in? I'm sure you'll expect this answer, but the goalpost keeps moving. So it's like, first I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's like, oh, if I have 100000 in the bank and make $500 a month, that'll pay my rent, you know? And then, you know, that keeps moving. Um, 
I, I, after I started flipping a bunch, I eventually landed on doing strip centers. I don't want to go too far off the path with that, but that was like, I was realizing I was doing a lot of work to make money. And I, I was like, geez, I want to like buy things that just pay money. And I, was, I like strip centers because it's 10 year leases. And of course, like you have to have a tenant that you trust is going to stay. But if you have a Walgreens or a bank or whatever, like you're probably getting your rent. So, uh, I ended up getting up to about 45 million in the strip center assets, spitting off 80 grand a month in free cash flow uh, that I owned the bulk of. So, like, uh, you know, there was some cash flow number that was the goal. But then once I got to the cash flow number, I was like, okay, like now I go make more earned income. So I, I think the goalpost keeps going back and back. And now I'm kind of back in the trenches doing a lot more of the flipping because I see a huge opportunity to make, you know, seven figures here in Austin. Um, and I'm probably going to scale that as far as I can and, uh, you know, see where it goes. But I, you know, I think at this point, I'm not sure there's a monetary goal. It just keeps growing and growing. You, you like the game, I think. If you don't like the game, get out of the business. It's you're true. Lost. It's true. You, yeah, you already uh, Where are you learning the most from now that you're at this stage in your business? Like, are there any groups, mastermind groups, books? I'm a part of GoBundance. I learn a lot from those guys. It's a pretty, uh, I think there's 800 members or some number like that. Like you can post in their group message and somebody's either already knows or has a resource for pretty much anything. Um, I, I'm a modeler though. Like I generally don't create my own models. Like what we're doing here in Austin with the factory builds, like a couple other developers were doing. I knew one of them and he was making a lot of money and I was like, Hey, like, let me come hang out with you for a day and kind of just ran with the model. Um, so I think my favorite way to learn is to like, go see somebody who's actually, actually has the success that you want and go hang out with them for a day. Like I can usually pick it up. Um, I do listen to a ton of podcast books, this kind of stuff, but honestly, most of the, most of the podcasts are like are more about like getting a frame of like macro positions and investing and where's the world headed. Like I haven't, you know, yeah, not a lot of it applies directly to like my day to day in the business. Okay, gotcha. So the Go Abundance Group, uh, do you feel like a lot of people are at your level above you or below you? How do you stack up? The range. I mean, if the range is, I think minimum is a million, and then the maximum person I know in there is like a few hundred million. Um, okay. Wow. That's yeah. That's quite a range. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm. I don't have a few hundred million. I'll tell you that. <laughs> is is it based on net worth Yet. or income? Business income. That that would be net worth. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. I have a friend that's in GoBundance. Actually, another investor in St. Joe that's in GoBundance. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's it's definitely been like a fast growing group. Um. All right, Brian. Why don't you bring us home with the final question? Let's get some. Yeah, good info. I mean, you kind of already you kind of already asked that. It's like, what does the future look like? What are you going to do now? Do you have a goalpost that is in the near future? Like, what's what's next? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll answer that more directly. So, uh, right now, I have ten projects going in Austin. That's uh, I'll just say it's twenty five million dollars worth of ARV. I'm going to sell those projects off and make sure that the model works, uh, and then. The plan would be to buy a factory and have my own production of the homes. And then I would probably scale that to like 30 to 50 a year. So that would be 50 to 100 million in projects. Uh, I, I have like a bunch of rules like 
I don't want any long projects and so no big new constructions. I want high margin projects. Like it's the same amount of work to do a 10K deal as it is to do a 300K deal. So I like focusing on like a little bit more higher price point margins. And it doesn't have to be Austin. It's just if you're in a town and one area is 100K and one area is 400K, I'm like thinking about the 400K. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So the, nobody uh, else has scaled this? Nobody else has scaled these, these modular homes and that you want to be the one to do it? Oh, no, no. There's, there's two other developers in town doing the same thing. And I'm like, great. And like, actually we're, uh, cordial and friendly and share factory resources and subs. And like, it's not because you're making the money on the construction, not in the acquisition. Like you want to acquire. Okay. But you don't like before and we were acquiring stuff at 60 cents on the dollar because we were doing that like crazy 70 off market referrals a month and only buying one. Like our, we really probably should have wholesaled every single deal and never done one because like we were buying so well. Uh, and so uh, now we're just acquiring meh and it's the construction process that's making the money. So I, th I think I want to prove that that can go on in, in perpetuity. And I also believe that uh, factory-based construction is the future. So like being in that space early before it really catches on, I think it's a good time for that, that business arc. Just you think it's going to be the future just because it's so much more efficient? Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, imagine a giant assembly line with a guy with a hard hat and a checklist, and he's walking down the line, and there's 20 stations, and it's plumbing, electrical, this. I mean, they're putting out a house a day. I mean, like that's how fast it's going. And it's on a crane directly down the line, measured, inspected, like with higher standards than, say, on-site construction. And the joke is I've never seen a beer can on the factory line. You know, it's just, I personally think it's a better quality of construction. Interesting. Yeah. There's like less time to be wasted. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That would be crazy if all the houses built now would be built in a factory. Mm. I've got you'd literally, houses. you'd literally be, you could like produce, you could buy a lot, get a permit, produce a new house in, you know, two months. Okay. You know, I've got and to see out. it. I'm fascinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is awesome. You've got a vision for the future. I loved hearing that. Really appreciate your time today, David. You've got a lot of Instagram followers too. So I'm going to send everybody over to go see your Instagram. What's your Instagram uh, tag? Just spelled it correctly. Yeah, at Mr. Lauber, M-R-L-A-W-V as in Victor, E-R. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the see Deal ya. Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.